Today on the Connecting Our Stories podcast, I'm chatting with my new friends, Mark and Emily. I am super excited about this interview because it shows how we can use the different skills and abilities we have to come together and create positive impact or change, especially when we think about impacting issues of injustice. This is exactly what we're about here at Stories Foundation, saying that each and every one of us has a story. Each and every one of us has valuable experiences, skill sets, abilities, all these things that we can put forward to use in the fight against human trafficking and injustice. And that's exactly what Mark and Emily have done and are doing. And what they're doing is such a unique way to help survivors of trafficking and exploitation. I'm excited for them to get to share with you. Let's listen in. Welcome back to the Connecting Our Stories podcast. We are in the middle of our Survivor Series, and today it's a little bit of a different twist. We have Mark and Emily joining us today, and they are serving survivors of sexual, um, commercial sexual exploitation in a different and unique way that I've never uh, heard about before. So I'm really excited to hear their story and to introduce you all to them. Um, and like always, I just really hope that this conversation inspires all of us to engage with our own stories in the fight against trafficking and exploitation. So Mark and Emily, would you mind introducing yourselves and then just tell us a little bit about what you're doing with Point of View Story? Sure. Yes. Um, Mark's team, Margaret, I actually live in Indianapolis, Indiana, and um, grew up in the way uh I think many of us did where the arts wasn't really a forefront option, like going through the schooling or educational system. It's getting better. Um, So I chose a more computer science path, a more scientific, but logic based path. But at the same time, like in my free time and all my spare hobbies, if you will, I found myself doing performance things. So I'm doing stage plays. I'm doing stand up comedy. I'm doing improv. I even started my own improv troupe and we were traveling around the Midwest doing gigs for companies and making people laugh. And what was really driving me underneath it all was creating moments. That was my heartbeat and it is my heartbeat. And as that was doing well, um, around 2016-ish, I really wanted that to go deeper and be richer. And so I felt like film was a better medium for that because these these live shows are great but like shows over everybody goes home and the moment's passed it was like it's a way that we can capture the moment so that we can re-experience these good moments and so film made sense so i started down that path i started just self-teaching myself film and started taking classes and um ended up signing up to get my master's in that and i'll get my master's this october from bcfa vermont wow College congratulations That's yes thank deal. you so Super excited about that. And as I was doing that, my wife at the time had started working with a local agency that was doing anti-trafficking work and specifically um, in the uh, restorative piece. And so they had licensed therapists and they were doing home-based therapy and things of that nature. So my wife was a case manager, but she was coming home and I'm, and that's where I began to learn my understanding of what really is t- taking place in my own backyard. 
And as my wife is sharing these stories, I'm like, oh my gosh, they could really use a moment. And so I said, can I talk to your head psychologist? And she goes, sure. And so she made that email introduction and I sat down with him and I spent an hour with him saying, hey, could film play, play a role? He goes, oh my, yes. And so I went back to my wife and I said, okay, I want to talk to a therapist. And because uh, I don't know what to make these films about, I, I need some guidance. And so my wife was like, okay, you can talk to Emily. So she introduced me to Emily and we sat down with Emily over dinner and said, what do you think? And uh, Emily will share her story next, but obviously it was yes. And, and so that's when I was like, okay, I want to do that. And so that's what put me on this journey of, can we create a moment using film as the media, but ultimately telling these short stories that could create a space for healing? Yeah, I love that. And before Emily, you share, I just want to point out how your awareness about the issue led you to say, what can I do with what I've been given? Yes. And then you engaged and you took the first step, which is to, in, to become aware more and to engage with someone who has expertise and knowledge. And I think that's such a good example of what we all can do is so often we become aware of human trafficking or sexual abuse or exploitation, and it's just overwhelming. And we're like, ah, what can I do? There's nothing I can do. And that's not true. We can engage in our own spaces and, and take these steps. So I just think that's beautiful. I, yeah, oh, I love it. Thank you. And I, I don't want to re be redundant. Like if somebody's doing work, like I could definitely join that or whatever, but I, I also did have a feel that like nobody was doing this as well. Like I started Googling, like, can film be using therapy and stuff like that. And even asked Emily, like, I don't think anybody's doing this. Emily, and Emily goes on a Google search, you know, and like, I don't think, so that was, that was encouraging too. Like, I think sometimes we can feel like all the bases are covered. Mm. Like growing up in the church setting too, like people rarely volunteer. They say like a third of the people do all the work because I think everybody sees it. I'm like, oh, there's no need. Yeah. And there really is. And, and, and so it's just starting with, hey, I want to create moments. And is there a space for that? Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I'm sure, Emily, you can attest to this, that in this space, the base isn't covered. Right. <laughs> like, it's not covered in most spaces, but especially in this space, there's room. So, okay, your turn. So I am Emily Taylor Ginger. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, mental health therapist, and I've been doing anti-trafficking work in a variety of capacities since 2013, um, been involved with policy directives, research, case management, advocacy, and um, most recently and presently um, as a mental health therapist doing um, trauma treatment. And when Mark approached me about incorporating films into therapy, I immediately knew that this could have potential to bring about greater strength and healing for survivors of commercial sexual exploitation and trafficking. In my own experience as a therapist, I would show a documentary with some of my clients. And through that experience, I was able to see how survivors were connecting with the story of someone on a screen in a way that they had not yet done. Even amongst their peers, hearing stories from others they were um, in group therapy with and through stories and examples that I was giving in session, there was something different about hearing it on a screen from a person who wasn't presently in that space. We were able to desensitize that topic and talk 
through somebody else's story in a way that was safe and soft and gentle. And with that experience, one of the biggest barriers, though, was a documentary is two hours long. And in sharing those stories and and listening to those stories um, on the film, a lot of the content was very explicit and could be quite triggering. And so I had to be very careful about where someone was at in their healing process before sharing that story. But the proposition that Mark had with these films was to create something that was gentle, subtle, nuanced, and short, about five minutes long. So we could incorporate these films into a therapeutic setting in a way where we weren't re-traumatizing clients, we weren't triggering them in the same way as hearing a graphic story, and it wasn't taking the same amount of time as watching an entire documentary. So I was very excited about the idea of creating these films. And with Point of View Story, I am the impact producer, so my role is to help kind of create um, and shift the content that would be specifically directed towards the commercial sexual exploitation experience based on my work um, and experience with survivors. That's amazing. And I have to just say that, do you, okay, so from my perspective, your partnership is really beautiful because so often in the anti-trafficking space and where you've lived, Emily, um, people like Mark, who maybe don't know a lot about that or haven't worked with survivors, not they're not always like super welcome or the potential isn't always recognized as you, they're both nodding. I feel like that should be, <laughs> they're agreeing with me silently on this podcast because that's, that's like the thing. Sometimes it feels like there's this big gap between the professionals who are needed at the ex- you need all that training you need the expertise and everything that you've done is just first line I just have to say amazing work thank you so much for the work that you do um but then you know from the normal people too who want to do something and have skills but there's often this gap in between and so I'm just I just want to say thank you and has that been a journey for you I'm just curious like you saw potential in Mark right away um Maybe that's maybe you're just a really generous, wonderful person, Emily. That's probably true. I hope that that's true, but I definitely have also been on the side of it's really difficult when you know what you know and working alongside someone who's coming at this from a blank slate because the gap from a blank slate to the extent of knowledge that it requires to really do this work well is so vast. Yep. And I've never been asked this question, but I think because I worked alongside Jill, Mark's wife, and had trust and security with her, and I saw the work that Mark was putting in to learn on his own as well, it created a a situation where we could work well together and, and learn together. I don't pretend to have all of the knowledge or information that I need to do this work well. I'm always learning too. Yeah, I love, I just love that. And I feel like that's so important to just call out because um, 
there is an there is there's trust that's needed and there's work that's needed and we can come together if if the work is willing to be done and if we can come in a place of humility and i think um it's good to just acknowledge that if you want to enter this space there's there's education there's awareness work and there's a humility that that you have to carry and then those of us who have been here a while we ha- we can't expect i had a couple years ago one of a nonprofit friend of mine she's like doesn't why are we still doing human trafficking one-on-one? Doesn't everybody know? And I'm like, no, they don't know. <laughs> like right. Because we, we are so, uh, it's like second nature. I could talk about human trafficking in my sleep at this point, it feels like. But to the people, I did an awareness fe- event last night and their faces reminded me that this is new to so many people. And so then the grace that I have to have for for people who are just joining in the fight and we need them. Right. So thank you for being such an example of that. You two. I love it. It's interesting because almost had an experience inverted of that. So being a filmmaker, being in a graduate program, like we get our films and BCFA is an amazing program where they allowed me my thesis to be this project. So that was amazing that they allow that kind of creative control. Um, So I'm very honored that they would allow me to, to use this as as my thesis so it gives me a lot of insight but one of my reviews that i got um i as i try to explain why i'm making these films and the spaces that they're going to be presented i i don't do a good job of that because there is a bit of knowledge like i feel like i'm in the middle like i don't have all of my wife or emily's experience because they have firsthand eyeball to eyeball experience that i don't have and then over here there's people even more removed and I got critique of like, who are you kind of feedback of like, you know, don't whitewash this or, you know, like, and, and so it was, it, yeah, it's just, so it's yeah. even interesting people that are, are, are distanced from it. They have their perceptions and their views of it. And like, and so you find For yourself sure. in the a little bit. And so, yeah. So just trying to even navigate what we do and articulate it well yeah. is challenging. It is. And you're at the beginning of something new and, in my experience, you have to have grace to the people that you're uh, asking to come alongside you, whether it's financially or through their influence, because they don't understand either. When you pioneer something new, um, which I'm so excited for you to explain more about what that looks like and how it's helping people, but people just, um, they struggle to understand. Even at, last night, I because what we're doing is we're trying to build this cafe to offer opportunities for survivors through jobs and all that and right. housing and um it's been, I've been doing this for about nine years too, Emily, same, not in the same capacity, but similar. And yeah. um, I've gotten a lot of people push back, like, you know, this is never going to work. It'll never be financial. Mm. See, I mean, it's like same. it's, it's like old hat now. Like I don't even, it doesn't even phase me, but, mm. but I was reminded again that these people, this is, this is very new to them. This idea that we can use business to support uh you know, create safe community, create opportunities, fun nonprofit work. It's very new. And they, they don't, they don't have a framework for that. And so you're right. We have to like take them on a journey to understand first the issue, which is super complex. And then the unique ways that we can be, uh, you know, helping people. So why don't you guys talk about that? How, how I just, I think what you said, Emily, about that you're being intentional that to create these short, videos that cannot re-trigger survivors but help them look at their trauma from kind of a third party almost that's like brilliant and 
Um, how are you doing this? What's the process? How long have you been doing it? That's a lot of questions. Who wants to start? Well, I'll let her get into the weeds of it and why, because she'll explain it much better. But this idea of shorts, like, um, Stephanie, you, you have a, a church background too. So the idea of parables, right? Like yes. we don't use that word in vernacular in modern day stuff, but like, if we look at Jesus and not even as a religious person, like putting that aside for me, let's just look at him as a storyteller. Like he told short stories and he did them in a way that didn't resolve. So if we like just deconstruct his parables, like you have short stories without resolve and what it did to its listeners to the point where the people closest to him walk away and be like, what was the point? Like, what was that? Like you talked about some seeds and some soil, but like, and, and then you exited stage, right? <laughs> like, well, and then like the whole audience, but it forced the audience, the listener to have to fill in the blanks. I love it. And I think of the movies, like we, we even have a word cliffhanger for films that don't resolve. And I don't know about you, Stephanie, but when I leave a film that doesn't resolve, those are the ones we have most discussion. We'll, we'll watch it with a friend. And you're walking to the car before you even get to your car. You're like, what happened? And I think this happened. I think this was going on. And that conversation happened. So like, we don't use the word parable, so we wouldn't describe ours as parable, but they do have this parabolic elements to them, which I love because it's like, it worked back then. Why wouldn't it work now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It creates conversation, mm -hmm. creates people coming around a table to have conversation. Yeah. It's amazing. Is that what so, you see, Emily? Is that, is that kind of the goal? Yeah. So film has been being utilized in therapy settings since the 1940s. This is not something new. Classically, therapists would take a film and either prompt the client to watch it outside of session. And then when they come into session, have conversation about how their experience in their life relates or doesn't relate to that person's journey in the movie. Or they would take a short clip from a movie, play, you know, three to five minutes in session and and do the similar process of asking questions and exploring how they may relate to that individual in the film. And what we're doing is creating films that are specifically geared towards the population of commercial sexual exploitation and trafficking. They're created for that population and we're targeting specific topics that are difficult to address otherwise. So we often give the example that most people can identify latent harms, things like punching someone, you know, screaming at someone, calling them names. We can identify that as negative or harmful. But what are the things that are more subtle, that are really challenging to notice, that actually are creating vulnerabilities for people to not only get into a life of exploitation, but also to remain stuck in it. And so our main goal with the films is to address these areas that we call stuck points, areas of topics like choice. If I'm presented with two bad choices, I either stay in my abusive family or I go and try to make a life on my own and I, it ends up that my boyfriend is pimping me out. 
I have these two choices that are really hard and both have painful elements. So which one do I take? And when I have those choices ahead of me and I choose one of them, oftentimes I may feel shame and self-responsibility for that choice, even though I wasn't presented with a safe and healthy option. Hmm. And so the purpose of these films is to highlight those subtleties within an exploitive situation where we can start to talk about the story of someone in this film. And through that experience, then the client may be able to notice if the person in that film wasn't to blame for what happened to them. Maybe it's possible that this wasn't my fault either. It's like we have more compassion watching someone else's story than we would have looking at ourselves, right? We're our own harshest critics. And so yes. it gives you that outside perspective. That's so brilliant. I have to ask, are you guys thinking about using this for people who aren't victim survivors of trafficking and exploitation? Because it feels like a really great teaching opportunity <laughs> from where I sit. <laughs> also. Yeah, we get that a lot stuff. In- Absolutely. And like the three pillows are prevention, well, awareness, then prevention, and then restorative. And we're absolutely starting the restorative. We technically haven't officially launched. We're um, going to sync with the Juvenile Sex Trafficking Conference in DC um, by Shared Hope this fall as our public, hey, we have these films. Um, But in conversations with agencies, that comes up a lot. And so we are definitely having conversations and um, people are that are building the curriculum because we just don't have like space to do that. And, and so nothing for sure yet, but we definitely see, because as Emily said, the vulnerabilities is where it's at. Like that's, and probably that's our biggest differentiator too at a 30,000 foot level. A lot of the films and media out there is really like, is highlighting the traumatic events. And we are really going after the vulnerabilities, which does have preventative value. And so Yes, as soon as we can, for sure. But if somebody comes along and partners with us, we can probably get it out there quicker. But without changing a scene in the film, it's a, just a different conversation. But yes, yeah. so we, um, more in the preventive, maybe than the awareness, but absolutely, we, we see that, and we're hearing the value that they bring because it is about the vulnerabilities. So if we can shore up and embolden those vulnerabilities on the front side, we can maybe avoid a lot of trauma for some young people. Yeah. That's so good. I last night at the awareness event, I did that one of the gentlemen who were there, he said to me, um, how, what, you know, looking at raising my daughters, right. That's where a lot of people start. How do I, um, make it so that they, they're not vulnerable? Like, how do I, what was it about you that didn't make you vulnerable? I said, well, we're all vulnerable. (laughs) you You can't not be vulnerable, but I think it's more, um, to see the nuance in the, and that's what you're talking about. Like, you know, talk about what's a healthy relationship. Talk about, you know, man, what manipulative relationship. We just don't have these conversations about, um, like you said, about choice or uh, about privilege. And it, there's like some some pretty feels like they're basic things. But since we just don't have conversations about them, um, then those things that are never talked about or understood are exploited. And I, that's what I hear you saying. Would you agree, Emily, that that's, that's what you're getting at with these films? Yes, exactly. And 
through the films, the facilitator um, who would be implementing the films with the client would have our facilitator guide. And with that, there are a series of questions that they would be prompted to ask the client and also would be given a particular topic that is the goal to be addressed with those films. But a key part of what we are hopeful to elicit with the films is the client's worldview. We've already seen this happening where clients and field experts and lived experience experts who are offering us feedback on the films, each person has seen subtleties within the film based on their own experience and their own worldview. And it's a key component to what we're doing because so often within a life of being exploited, a life of being trafficked, in order to survive, we have to be what other people want us to be. Whether it's the pimp, the buyer, those around us, we're just trying to play the game to survive. And we see that same pattern play out in the therapeutic setting sometimes where people are showing up just trying to survive, just trying to play the part that the therapist wants them to play. Mm. And they're good at it. Mm. But that doesn't create healing. And with these films, we have the opportunity where the therapist is no longer the person who has to be the expert or the one that knows all the answers. But we say, let's just sit back, watch this film, and I want to hear what you think. What are your thoughts on what happened there? What are your thoughts on how he treated her in that film? And through that processing, we get to hear the client's worldview. And when we can hear their worldview, we can allow for space for healing. And that is the goal. That's beautiful. It's like you're allowing them to see the dignity and worth in who they are, not in who everyone, who they perceive everyone desires them to be, which... um, very much is a part of this world that playing a role. And I think that's important for people to understand. Um, it's really, it's really, really powerful. Um, and me being a little more removed like this, this for me is as the moment maker, like as I'm learning more how these young people, like you hear that they don't even identify as trafficked. You know, so there's there's like that whole layer. And so they're being pulled into these settings where all of a sudden an interrogation, even though it may not be police officers, but these the questioning that they have to go through, they're very personal questions. It's like your sexual history and yada, yada, yada. So like it's all this intense hot seat type moments where they're like, why are you asking me all these questions? And so. And now you got to go here. You got to go to this facility and you can't leave. And you got to, cause this is happening to you. And like, and there's this, what? That we get to create a space that we get to create a moment where they're the expert. Yeah. And that is amazing. So yeah. that they can speak and they have a voice. Like there's a um, pretty prominent survivor and in her story, she was sharing how like she was still kind of in the life but she found out like people wanted to hear me talk. So uh, so she got into anti-trafficking work, but she's had one foot in, one foot out kind of a situation. And her words were exactly that. She goes, I just wanted somebody to listen to me. And that 
is why she started her nonprofit while still stuck a little bit. And if we can create a space where some, they just get to be listened to, they get to be the expert and they get to tell somebody what's happening. Wow. And like Emily said, like they, they perform. So like giving them a space where we have an effective tool to get around that a little bit. Cause a lot, cause running is a very big part of the recovery. And I think we've, what I've heard is a lot, that's just become normalized. Oh, that's just part of it. It's like, what if we can reduce even that? Because they were heard. Yeah, that's so. beautiful. Um, so you are interviewing survivors and using their stories um, in this unique way. And I don't like the word using, but maybe building a platform is a better, uh, I like that because that's what I feel like you're doing is you're building a platform for survivors to tell their story in a way that is helpful, not hurtful for themselves and for others um, and giving them, you know, a place to use their voice and have dignity and worth. Um, how is that going? Do you feel like you're having a lot of people coming forward and wanting to be a part of this? So, yeah. we so what we've been doing is like, um, and when I said I'm part of a, a panel out of our community, always language, uh, like a committee for like a better task force, whatever you want to call them, mm -hmm. out of fuel trafficking out of Texas. And that's put us in connection with other people doing work across the nation. And so um, right now, I mean, we, we have three films actually made. We have four shot. Um, we're actually working on our fifth one, literally as we speak, we'll be shooting this evening. Um, so our goal is to have six when we launch in November, but we want to fail early. Like if this is not having an impact or if there's too many hurdles uh, to, to push what I call the push play problem, what do we have to do to get this film in front of a client and a facilitator where they can actually experience this moment. Um, what are those hurdles? And and are the films working? Are they having an impact? So the fact, as soon as we had three, we started going just uh, privately to people and approaching people and saying, hey, what do you think? You know, both survivor feedback as well as, um, um, you know, other lived experience experts and agencies. And we've, we've got about, we, so let's get five. Let's get five to actually implement the ones we have and let's see what feedback we get. So we're rolling that out. There's about four that have them in their hands and one that's actually implemented them. And so the people that we've met with have been met with amazing excitement, um, better than we anticipated. We thought we'd have to sell them a little bit, not, not in the traditional sense, but just in the like, hey, does this make sense? But it just resonates. They're like, oh my gosh, this makes sense. How do we get our hands on it? How do we get certified in this? We're like, well, we don't even know if it's going to work. Can you can you try it? And and it has. And and um, there have been stories of feedback where the client noticed something about like the nails of one of our um, characters, and just being able to how that revealed her worldview of importance of presentation and and presence and stuff like that, and that gave the facilitator area to go to. And that's exactly what we were hoping. So we still think, especially in the next couple of weeks, as more of those that have the films begin to actually get the feedback to us. Um, but everything has just been better than expected, to be honest. Our films don't actually highlight any one person's story, but they are informed by experiences of survivors. So they're not covering anyone's specific experience. 
but rather highlighting those vulnerabilities, um, which also allows a multitude of experiences to be reflected within the film rather than showing one specific person's experience. I love that you clarified that because um, doing this work for so long in the awareness space, specifically, people want to hear stories and it you don't want to re-exploit someone, right? right. And I always say... You know, you don't we've I've even been doing interviews for of survivors and I and I say you don't have to share your story. So thank you for being willing to share it because it's theirs and it's personal and it's traumatic. And, you know, we have such an appetite in our culture for drama. And so we don't want to re-exploit someone. We don't want to re-exploit someone. I think that's important for people to hear. And so to take aspects of stories and create um, more of a neutral narrative with truth behind it is just really, really brilliant. I absolutely, I love that. Um, I want to know, Mark, how has this affected your worldview going from someone who maybe didn't know a ton to now you are, you're kind of like in an intensive learning, I would think, um, kind of thrown into this space. How is that changing how you see the world and um, how you experience people and all of those things? Yeah, it's, I mean, the biggest lesson I think has just been this idea of proximity. And when we don't have proximity, whether it's this subject, whether it's racism, like all the hot challenges our nation and our culture is facing, I feel the big, big, big piece that if I had one word, it would use its proximity. And so when we have that 30,000 foot view, I feel like our brain wants to simplify. Our brain wants to organize things and wants to be efficient. So we group everybody and, and them, the they's and the them's are all identical, you know, and like we lose those individual moments and nuances. But as we gain proximity, we learn so much more and the layers and the, and the depth and the complexities of it all that it is teaching me that like I'm learning how little I really know. Because like you learn a little bit, you think, oh, I understand it now. Like I understand what they're all thinking. <laughs> and that's the problem is they don't all think that way. Like, um, And so it's just learning that they're on a journey too, and that they're big. And, you know, you alluded earlier, like about sharing the traumatic story. And I've just heard feedback just yesterday, how as these survivors go around telling their story, like people do want their story and they're like, but I'm more than my story. I'm more than my trauma. I'm me. And so just not losing sight of that, of their humanness and their humanity and, and just ultimately wanting to come alongside them individually and say i see you and i hear you (laughs) we were talking about that earlier and like just giving them that and i feel like and i hope our films will do that we'll give them that space because programs work my life my choice is a big program that's very very effective evidence-based um we hope that over time we can show the evidence have legit like evidence-based material we can point to um we have testimonies and we have we still have evidence it's just not you know rubber stamped yet but as we walk and do that, like these programs um, kind of have structure to them and it can feel like you're just reminding people through the same system and you lose that individualness. And I feel like hope that our films can bring that because they are so multifaceted. They are unresolved on purpose. 
like from the story arc perspective, I feel like we're sharing the inciting incident. Not a whole lot of exposition and very little resolve, but it's the inciting incident in the moment based around a vulnerable context. So not trauma context, but vulnerable context. And because of that, what they see, as Emily alluded to, reveals their specific worldview and what they're valuing and what they're struggling with that allows the facilitator to navigate to them individually and personally. And I think that's so huge, especially because we're trying to tackle a huge thing. And yes, and when you print materials, even our facilitator guide will go to everybody, but we're hoping the questions and the conversations that birth because of that become very individual. So that's been my journey. It's just see people who they are, try to not box people in, know that their story is their story and it's unique. And yes, there are elements that are similar and there are themes, absolutely. But at the same time, just give it space to see who they are. Yeah. Emily, from a perspective of a therapist, how important is it for community members like Mark to be learning that and then acting on it? You know, as you see the journey of a survivor um, reenter into a different society, how, how important is that? It's very important. So often shame is what keeps us stuck. And oftentimes a culture is what creates shame. And when more and more community members can be aware of the complexities of trauma, the complexities of an exploitive situation, why someone might in the moment choose to stay in a situation that they're also experiencing pain, exploring those challenging topics and being aware of those things can shift our culture to decrease shame and keep prevent people from being stuck in shame cycles because they know that if it's normalized in the culture for us to come out and share our story and be who we are and exist as is, then people are going to be more and more willing to access freedom. I love that. So um, you know, this nonprofit I run is called Stories Foundation because I like passionately believe in the power of sharing story. And uh, I think over the years, I have questioned myself, like, am I oversimplifying this, that if we would just get together and share story, we could create culture change. And I, the more I do this work, the more I'm like, no, at, we could at least start there. I mean, there's more from there, right? And, but once we start there, then then it's easier to do the rest of the work. Once we just start with, I think what you said was beautiful too, Mark, about our common humanity. We are forgetting how to see that in each other. And mm. if we could just start with story and see that we're all unique individuals, we have common humanity, and then go from there, it'll change how we are educated. It'll change how we engage. And so I just, I think this is a beautiful idea for, and it'll have, I, you all will have, um, tons of testimonials and all the things. It'll be great. So I want to ask you, what do you need? Like, who are you looking for when you talk about partners and support? Um, What are your next steps? I'm excited for you to launch this, um, roll it out at the at the Shared Hope Conference. I think that's amazing. What does that look like? Talk about all that. Yeah, um, I'll share. We'll both share because Emily has good angles, too. But on the 
logistical side of things, um, we're definitely, we want to, we just arbitrarily pick six. So um, we're trying to get, we're raising funding to build a runway to launch at Just. So the, on the other side of Just, we will, we have a platform and it's actually up and running now that agencies would subscribe to. And that's how we'll continue to create films going forward. So right now our thinking is there will be the subscription model that agencies will sign up with um, that will just give you access to all the films. So as we continue to add to that library, we'll add six a year is our goal. So then a year from now, we should have 12 and then 18 and just continue to grow that and bring male. Right now, our first six that has a female protagonist, but we want to bring male protagonists in because we know that at least 10% of young boys are exploited as well. So we will also continue to increase our diversity also to um, just continue to get more diversity and all the things. So that's that will drive the next six, 12, 18 films over the next few years. But to get that off the ground, we are um, looking for partners financially just to help us finish strong with the production value and then get us to just and those expenses to be, to be able to present um, with at the Shared Hope Conference. Um, can you share and, uh, your numbers? Do you have like a, like a goal? Like, are you looking for a certain number of people at a certain amount? We'll share your, do you have a plate? Where can they give? Yeah. So, um, so we're, so what's still pending is, is what kind of uh, sponsorship and what kind of presentation that shared help will give us. And so we're, that will drive a number. We certainly don't know what that number is yet. Yep. Um, but um, we're looking and we are talking to foundations. So there's a lot of, of <laughs> emails we're waiting to hear back from, but we are our final stretch. We're looking at about $75,000 just to fit, to get us to just and to finish these films strong. Then on the other side of that, we are, our bottom line is if we can get 140 agencies nationwide to, to sign up and be uh, partner with us in that, where we're providing these resources, then we can be sustainable um, in a, in a minimalist way, but that's be out there and be sustainable. Um, so obviously people that can introduce us to agencies, we're still learning who they exist. Like through you, Stephanie, we learned about um, Corey's house. And so um, shot off an email to them. So like we want to build relationships with her and other people like her that are doing the restorative work. And it's a little hard to find it, you know, just Google searching, like, because there's preventative, there's awareness. So just people that can help us point to the agencies that are, and we also see that a lot are coming like we see a lot of agencies that aren't online yet, that they're coming, they're building um, homes, you know, spaces forward to the recovery, but they're not launched yet. And another value that we believe we bring too is if you're a licensed clinical therapist, but you don't have a lot of experience working with the CSC survivors, it can be daunting and you can, the stuck points will be hitting you early and often. And so one feedback we got was that this could be a great tool for those that are newer to the fight because the films do kind of help the facilitator guide where the conversation is going to be most effective and get around that performance um, element. So, yeah, so get us to just, and on the other side, yeah, connect with us. Um, there's possible, you know, we're, we're seeing that even our resource might be um, candidate for funding through the federal grants. So agencies sitting in Ohio or Nevada or whatever, they might not even cost them anything if they might be able to utilize it based on the kind of grants that come from the Boca grant and stuff like that. So hopefully it, won't, it can be 
flow that way, that'd be amazing. So that's kind of our loose goose <laughs> uh, approach to get those things where it's sustainable. People can give online at our website, pointofviewstory.com. Yes. We'll put that in the show notes and promote that. Um, but I think it's brilliant what you're doing to connect with service providers. And I, I mean, I can connect you guys too, to people for sure. I will do that. Um, and I would think you want to get it to, to like counseling, like counselors and counseling practices. And that would be, and that would be a place where there'd be income because you have a product and it's, it's okay that you want people to pay for that product. That's good. That sustainability is good. That means you can keep making impact. So is that what you're like your ideal, Emily, who's your ideal partner for this? Yeah. So therapists, whether they are a working at a specific anti-trafficking agency serving all CSE clients or individual therapists who may have one client who is experiencing trafficking or had experienced trafficking, they may also benefit from the use of these films. So that is our core um, target population right now is to um, reach out to those therapists who are working with survivors. And eventually we see these films also playing a role um, in preventative spaces like with at-risk youth, um, and even potentially to train therapists on trafficking. I think it's brilliant. Have you guys gotten good feedback? Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, one of the agents we said to, he got on and said, this is phenomenal. And like, I cried because <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, we think it's good. We think nobody's doing this. We feel like it fits a gap between the top down talk therapy and the bottom up experience with like EDMR stuff like that. We feel like we, we, our lane sits right in the middle. Um, and then when you add the performance um, barrier and you add the extreme stuck in fight or flight mode and how the stuck points of just talking, I mean, Emily has stories where clients just shut down and walked away. Like that day's lost. I mean, those hours are lost. That funding is lost. And a lot of these programs are only eight, nine months. And if we can just create a space where that is, things get more rooted, um, we maybe see the uh, run running back reduced um, and just see stronger healing. And, and we're giving them images too. Like so often in talk therapy, they'll say, oh, maybe they'll remember a word that we said. Now we're also giving them visuals that when they go, if they do run, like those visuals can remind them of those conversations and the therapy that they had to bring them back. So the reception has been amazing. And like, no people in the anti-trafficking work get it immediately. It's the general public or, you know, our friends or, you know, that they're like, they watch the film and they're like, so then what? You know, they're like, what happens next? And we're like, well, yeah, uh, a conversation uh, happens next. That's what happens next. Yeah. And, um, but yes, so I feel like it resonates well. Um, the agencies that have grabbed it are are loving it. Um, and yeah, I think it's, it's it's been super encouraging. I love it. Um, 
Is there anything else you guys want to share about the work you're doing that we didn't get to or anything that you want to say to encourage people who want to engage in this work, but they're not sure how or they're maybe scared or whatever? Any last like encouragement or information you want to share? I'll share a quote uh, from a couple therapists that have used cinema in their treatment process. They say cinema has the capacity to provide viewers with transformative intellectual and psychological experiences in which self-discovery can occur. And that's by John Izod and Joanna DeVallis. And we really believe that that is true and that can happen for survivors. It's beautiful. It's so compassionate. Yeah. And what I know when I was trying to figure out how can I help, I can be involved. Like one of the barriers is like my wife, the agency that Emily and my wife worked at, they had movie night. And as, as a naive person, you know, like, Oh, like we can bring the girls over to our house and we can show them a movie. That's so cool. And they're like, no, that just means help us pay for the popcorn. And like, but we don't get to watch the movie with them. They're like, no, <laughs> that's not how it works. You don't, so you don't, get access to the people you're trying to help, which is very, very, very different. Like you, you know, all the other types of nonprofits, it's, you get to engage with what's happening and there's more of a veil in this world, but I, what's exciting about our films, we can show you our films. Like you can partner with us and know that we're bringing this, this medium. And the other beautiful thing that I love about it is like, there's no limit. Like an agency has only so many beds, has so many, so many therapists, can only see so many people. But this is a digital medium that takes this powerful thing to no limit. If you have electricity and an iPad um, and English subtitles, there's no place in this world that we can't reach. So the fact that we have this powerful tool that can just enable and enrich these therapeutic healing moments is exciting and it's tangible. So people that would like that to be, uh, know that they're seeing, they can physically see where their impact is going. That That's exciting. Well, I love it. And I see so much potential for it. And um, I'll for sure connect you to whoever I know. And uh, I'm excited to see you guys roll it out and, um, and to see it grow. I think it, ha- I think I can just see it exploding. So I'll, lend my visionary leadership to you all and I can see it. I think it's beautiful. Oh, so, one last thing, Stephanie. Yeah. So our big vision, I didn't mention this. So obviously we want to get to just, we want to launch and we want to roll this out to as many agencies as possible. Also, we want to hire a survivor. Oh, so this kind of overlaps with what you're trying to do. And the reason is this one, we'll have administrative needs. Like they'll just be, you know, the social media work, you know, just like we we're talking before this, you know, just the, the grunt and grind of, getting the word out because it is new, like nobody's looking for us. So we have to show up in spaces and places and say, Hey, this exists. We think it helps. Um, so we need to hire somebody to do that work. And Emily and I are both like, let's hire a survivor because we know that after the healing process, there's still the, the launching is not done. And um, it's been said as hard as it is to get out of the life, it's even harder to stay out of the life. And if we can play a small role in that, so we want to do that as well, because that survival would have access to Emily, would have 
and put her in spaces where there's other mentors so that as then, you know, see them launch into another corporate setting or what have you, and then repeat that process. So that's also a a big vision post-launch that we want to be able to do. Yeah. And I think that's, um, I wish more people both in the business world and the nonprofit world were thinking more like that. How do we create business or, or products that we're not scared to create, make income from? Because income means more opportunities for dignified work um, and just flourishing life for more people. I don't know. Emily, can you speak to that at all from your experience? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so often once someone who has lived a life of exploitation is seeking employment, they are faced with a lot of barriers. And oftentimes those employment opportunities are infiltrated with a lot of challenging steps and creating a environment where people can show up and know that they're going to be supported They're going to be treated with kindness and um, given the tools that they need to be successful and thrive. Those are the kinds of environments where we can prepare and equip people to then launch even further into the employment opportunity that they may have dreams or vision about. I love it. This has been such an encouraging conversation for me. You guys are, um, I knew I would, I knew this would be great because, you know, when people are telling stories, that's like, makes my heart happy. So thank you so much, both of you, for the work you're doing, for pioneering. Thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing your stories. Um, Just really really grateful. Thank Thank you so so much. Yes. For sure. Thanks again, you guys, for hanging out with us here at the Connecting Our Stories podcast. I really hope that this is a great resource for you as you learn about human trafficking and what it actually looks like in our communities and what it's really going to take for each one of us so we can be a part of seeing it decrease. Um, Next week, we are going to hear from my friend Danielle. We sat down and had a conversation with her about her story, about the work that she's doing in Action 169, and about um, their newest endeavor, Rose House. So come back to hear more stories and to be inspired to see how your story connects to the stories of injustice in your community so that we can change culture and fight against injustice. Your story matters, friends.